Hi, this is Keith from BeatTheCasino.com. First and foremost, thank you for joining Beat the Casino, and thank you for purchasing our course. I want to start off this discussion of Baccarat with the very basics. First, let's talk about the scorecard that we'll be using, demonstrating some of the concepts that we talk about at BeatTheCasino.com. The scorecard that I'm showing you has numerous columns, some of which we will utilize at first and others you can ignore for now. The columns are labeled player and banker and the side that wins usually is indicated by placing a circle in the hand number like this. If player wins the first hand we simply put a circle there. If banker wins the second hand we put a circle there. Back to player, player wins again. Pretty basic stuff. We also have columns on this scorecard for the score, as you can see, and the OR count. For our purposes now, let's simply just ignore those. One of the first concepts to get your head around when you're analyzing Baccarat, and even roulette and other games that are basically a 50-50 chance game, is the difference between opposites and repeats. An opposite, let's say for instance if player won the first hand, an opposite is simply this, is if the other side wins. It went opposite. An opposite from banker would be player. This is two opposites in a row. If it goes opposite again, that's three opposites. The other concept of course is repeat. If the same side wins, this is one repeat, two repeats followed by an opposite, followed by a repeat, followed by a repeat. So it's a very simple concept to understand and it's important to understand it. We use it a lot at Beat the Casino. The next concept to understand is called events. Events can be confirmed or they can be potential. So let me explain. Let's say, for instance, we started the game off with a player. Now, the first hand presents a couple different options for analysis, but let's just ignore the first hand for now, and I'll circle back to it. But let's say on the second hand, it goes over to banker. As we've learned earlier, this is called an opposite. What this is also called on the banker side is a one in a row or more precisely, a potential one in a row. The reason we call it a potential one in a row because two things could happen. It could go to player on the next hand or it could go to banker. Well, if it goes to player, it's a one in a row. However, let's go ahead and look at the other option. Let's say, for instance, we started with player and we went to banker again. Now, this is a potential one in a row. If it goes to player, that's called a confirmed one in a row, which we did just previously. However, if it goes to banker, now it's a two or more a row, or actually it's a potential two or more in a row. If the next hand goes to player, 
it is a two in a row. There's no more potential in it. It will always be a two in a row. If it goes to Banker, it's a three or more in a row, a potential three or more in a row. Let's say, for instance, on this hand, it goes to player. Now we certainly have a three in a row here. So you have to kind of look at events as potential or as confirmed. This is a potential two in a row. Well, it's a potential one in a row, however you want to look at it. But it's the correct way to say this or how you will hear players speak of this is it's a potential one or more in a row. If it goes to banker, it's a one in a row. Confirmed. If it goes to player, it will never be categorized as a one in a row. Now it's a potential two or more in a row. If it goes to banker, now it's a confirmed two in a row. Remember I told you about the player, the first hand. First hand is always, it's not really difficult. It's just how some folks want to look at it. They always say you don't really know what happened before the game started. Of course not. Now, in the long run over millions of hands, it's significant uh, because you should use it in calculating the long-term uh, value of ones and twos and threes. But in specifics to a game, I myself, I just count it as a one in a row. I just assume that there was an opposite before it. And I consistently do that. So if I'm counting how many one in a rows are in this game up to this point, let's say this one here, I would simply count this as the first one and this is the second one. You could read about the discussion about this uh, in the forum. However, uh, you know, for our purposes, just count this as a one in a row. If, if the game, let's go over here. Well, let me start this over again. If the game went ahead and started like this with this player and then this player and then this player, argument could be made. You don't know what happened before this, but just count this as a confirmed two in a row. Okay, I hope that clears that up. Let's also talk about zigzag runs or opposites, consecutive opposites. So if we have a run of zigzags, player, banker, player, let's say it ends there. And then let's say we start into the next one. And we see this. And then it goes here. And I'm going to talk about this one here also. When you're counting zigzag runs, you must always start on the hand that ended with repeats. Okay. So in other words, most folks, let's take a look at hand 8 through 11 here. Most folks would go, well, this is a zigzag run of 1, 2, 3, 4. No. You have to count the one that it started opposite on. You would start here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's a zigzag run of 6. This is a straight run of 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. Always start on the one before. Now, 
Again, the beginning of the game presents a problem. You must start here. One, two, three, four, five. So the game started with a zigzag run of five. When you're in the middle of the game, a zigzag run will always start as the last hand of any repeat run. One, two, three, four, five, six. And it will end with a run of repeats. Repeats, you just count the repeats. In this case, one, two, three, four. A run of four bankers. Here's a run of one, two, three players. So, wanted to clarify how we count zigzag runs and straight runs. Okay, so one of the things that we talk about at Beat the Casino is event counts, and we compare and contrast them. We generally keep a count of one in a rows compared to two in a rows compared to three in a rows. And, and some folks like to use the balance counts. Um, okay, so for event counts and comparisons, I'm going to use the uh, strategic Baccarat interface here, which houses uh, real casino shoes. So most folks like to keep a count of events uh, relevant to each other. Uh, and there's a couple ways to do the counts. The easiest way is to simply just count up the number of events that have occurred and realize that on average your ones will be the most common event. Twos should be about half as many as ones. Three should be half as many as twos, so on and so forth. Uh, for an equal distribution. Of course, that very rarely happens. But the reason you keep event counts is to see what's most common. Now, it's it's not real rocket science. It's simply counting them up and seeing uh, which one uh, occurs the most and which one occurs the least. Now, if we look at this, I'm, I'm going to show actually the complete shoe. So here's the complete shoe uh, from shoe 10 on the uh, strategic Baccarat interface. And it actually gives you some statistics up here. Um, 11, one in a rows, two, uh, nine, two in a rows, three, uh, two, in a, uh, two, three in a rows, I'm sorry, and three, four or more in a rows. Now, this is very simple to do. Let's play it hand by hand. You're simply counting the number of two in a rows, or three in a rows, or four in a rows. So it starts off with a player. Now, we don't know what happened yet. Again, it started off here with an unconfirmed two. We don't know if that's going to be a two or a three. And we go to the next hand. Okay, so you would simply count uh, whether you look at the traditional scorecard here or the vertical one that one of the events is that the player has a two in a row. Go to the next hand. Then this is a one in a row. And then you make your chart and keep track of each one as the play continues. So you just, as you're playing, you're going to update your chart. And in this, we'll just keep going ahead and adding the next hand. I'll show you both scorecards. So here's the traditional one and here's the vertical one. And you can see this is a potential three or more in a row. Now it went to four. So it's a potential four or more. 
Oh, they all went to five. Then it went to six. There's the traditional. Then it went to two, four, six, seven in a row. And then it finally went opposite. And then we'll see. And maybe one more hand by hand here. And then it went opposite. So let's go ahead and show you the complete shoe now. And I'll update the full counts. Here's the complete shoe. You can see there were 11 one in a row, 9 uh, two in a row, three, or 2 three in a row, and 3 four or more in a row. And if we scroll down, there is the traditional scorecard. Let me uh, make it a little bit smaller so we can get it all in here. I think we got it there, as you can see. So this, you know, what you want to do is keep track of the twos and threes. And some players like to actually keep the disparity between two in a rows on player and two in a rows uh, on banker. So in this case, two in a row seem to be more prevalent on player, and two in a rows not quite as many on banker. Statistics like that are also valuable. Uh, it's easier though just to actually remember it, I think, than write it down. Um, okay, so that's that's how you keep track and score uh, event counts.